Hey, if you would remain standing and turn with me in your Bibles, the book of Romans chapter number eight, We're continuing week number two of the series, Ruach. Look at the person next to you and say, Ruach. Ruach. I want to start with verse number 12 of Romans chapter number eight as we dive in to today's message. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. And everybody said amen to that. Now, from here on out, when I come to the word spirit, I want us all, every one of us at all locations to say spirit together every time I come up on that word. Verse 13. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we all call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of the future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And everybody said... Amen. Father God, we pray right now that you send the Holy Spirit in a powerful way to illuminate your truth. And God, may we groan. God, may we groan with the Spirit of God inside of us. And may we grow into what you want us to be in Christ's name. And everybody said a big amen. You may be seated. Some months ago, I was going to a 
coffee shop in town that I would just, it was kind of on the path of where I was going and I would just kind of stop by there. And, and oftentimes it was early in the morning and the sign on the door said it opened at 530. And oftentimes I would get there to go through the drive-thru and there would be cones in front of the drive-thru and it would say closed. And it was obvious that the lights weren't on and it would be 630. Um, and sometimes 645, sometimes just different times. And I was like, this was very frustrating for me. Um, the service was inept. It was not what it should have been. And I'm not talking about one time. I, I, you can excuse anything for one time, but I'm talking about on a consistent basis, this was a problem. And even when it was open, went through the drive through I was not getting what I had asked for. And I was greatly disturbed about this. But apparently everybody else was too. Because about two months into it, everything kind of shut down. And then it was obvious when it opened back up a couple of days later that it was under new ownership. Because everything changed. Everything changed. I'm talking, they were on time. They were prompt service. All things changed because of new ownership. I want you to know that you as a follower of Jesus are under new ownership. And new ownership means that you are a new person. It means that the old is gone and everything is new. In this passage, you find nine different times the word spirit. If you go back to last week in the reading of verses one through 11, there was 10 times. So to this point in the reading of chapter number eight, we have said the word spirit 19 times. In the New Testament, which we're in, the book of Romans, was written in Greek. And the word for spirit in Greek is pneuma. Look at the person next to you and say pneuma, which means wind. It means spirit. But last week, we went back to the first reference of the word spirit in the Bible, which goes all the way back to the very first book of the Bible, actually the first page of the Bible, actually even the second sentence of the Bible, third sentence of the Bible, second verse. It says spirit. And in the Hebrew, which the Old Testament was written, the word in Hebrew for spirit is ruach. Everybody look at the person next to you and say ruach. Ruach means air. It means wind. It means breath. It means energy. Spirit. We found out last week that spirit is a part of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Spirit. That Ruach is actually, as we defined it last week, is God's personal presence and power. And how many of you want God's personal presence and power in your life every day? And we dove into that last week, and that was the title of my message, Personal Presence and Power, talking about Ruach in our lives every day. But I think one of the things that we do not understand is who actually owns us. So we, I think we understand that God the Father owns us, right? We, we, we kind of innately understand that God the Father owns us. We, we understand that um, Jesus owns us. We're slaves to Christ, the scripture says. Uh, he is our master, not the flesh is no longer our master. But, but, but 
even the scripture says that we are not our own, that we are bought by a price, by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He bought us with his shed blood. But we also find out here that the Holy Spirit owns us. And I don't think we ever talk about that. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number six and notice what it says. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit with me? Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. In verse 16 of chapter eight, it says, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. One thing that I have noticed over the years that um, being under new ownership is not always easy. I, I got a feeling the staff at that coffee shop went through a grilling for a couple of days to find out who was going to remain and who was going to go because we're going to do business the right way. I have friends of mine that have actually started businesses from scratch, built them up, and then sold them off. And then the new ownership will actually require them as part of the contract or the buyout to have them to stay on for a certain period of time. That may be for months, it may be for a year, it may be two years to allow stability and also just all the things that would be good for them in a transition to that business. And what I found on every one of them is that being under new ownership is hard, especially when you owned it and now somebody else owns it and you are having to do what they wish. It is hard. And it's the same way with our lives. When we've been under one ownership, when we've lived life for ourselves, and now we are the ownership of Jesus Christ, we're under ownership of God the Father, we're under ownership of the Holy Spirit, it can be difficult sometimes to obey Him instead of obey your wishes. When I was growing up, one of the things I loved so much, I loved baseball. I enjoyed the game so very much. I just enjoyed the smell of the leather of the glove and the, and the, the dirt and the feel and the, the sound of a bat hitting a ball. And just, I just love that. But one thing about getting a brand new glove, if you get a really nice, I'm not talking about a cheap, you know, thing that's not leather from Walmart. I'm talking about a fully leather, great glove. When you get it, it is frustrating to break it in because you just can't get it and get right into the game. Matter of fact, you start playing catch, first it's kind of the ball can fall out. It is stiff, it is hard, you have to work it. But it does not happen by chance. You gotta get out and practice every day with the ball hitting the mitt to soften it up. And it's the same way with our walk with Christ. It just doesn't happen, but we've got to simply give ourselves to the process of letting the Holy Spirit work on us and do what he wants to do inside of us. You are a new person. You're not the old person. You're a new person. Secondly, write this down, new ownership means that you have someone new to please. You have someone new to please. My, um, as we went down and spent time last week with um, our newest addition to the family, Scholar Beth. And if you didn't see pictures of her last week, that is worth going to listen to that sermon, not the sermon itself, but to see the pictures of her. She's gorgeous. You know, I told about how that Gigi would go in and change her, change her and not, I'm not talking changing the diaper, I'm talking about changing clothes and taking picture and just outfit after outfit and how that scholar Beth did not like that. And she expressed 
that that was not something that she desired and something she wanted. She wanted to stay wrapped up, warm, and swaddled, and held, and caressed. That's what she wanted. They did it anyway. From the time we are born, there's one person we like to please, and that is us. And when we come under new ownership and a new person, we've got a new person to please. And you know who that is? The Holy Spirit. It's Jesus Christ. Is God the Father. We are no longer living to please ourselves. In chapter 8 and verse number 12 of Romans, it says, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature, say it with me, urges you to do. Say that word again with me, urges urges. How many know that we have those urges? We have those urges to lash out. We have those urges to speak back. We have those urges to not forgive. We have those urges inside of us to fulfill the desires of the flesh. You see, because we want our feelings to be met, but we're not people of feelings. We're people of faith. He is just coming out of Romans chapter number seven, which is all about that thing that I want to do and I know I should be doing, I'm not doing. And the things that I know that, you know, I, I should be doing, I'm not doing. In other words, he's saying in Romans chapter number seven, there is a struggle. And the only way to overcome that struggle is realizing you're a new person and you're living to please someone else. You're not living to please yourself anymore. I like how the NIV puts it in this same verse in Romans chapter eight. Notice what it says. The NIV says, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the, say it with me, flesh to live according to it. So what do we have an obligation to? It's not to the flesh, not to the urges of the sinful nature. Our obligation now is to who? The spirit. Our obligation is to follow the spirit. On down in Romans chapter number eight, did you read last week? It said that now we are following the Spirit. So when we say we're following Jesus, you know who we're following? The Spirit inside of us that is leading us to follow after Jesus, to be all that we are meant to be in Christ Jesus. Hmm. Follow the urges. Now, now when we talk about the flesh, it is key to understand this, that the flesh is not bad in itself. Hear me. Because sometimes when we read the scripture and we hear preaching like this, we think that the flesh is bad. No, it's not that the flesh is bad. Jesus Christ himself came in what? Flesh as man. It's the choices we make to either feed the flesh or the spirit that is good or bad. Does anybody understand that? And we all have a choice. Over the years, I've had numbers of houses that uh, I have had and rented out and owned and leased out and so forth. And so, and, and sometimes things happen. The very first one that I was responsible for was at 2100, uh, 231 South Duck in, in, in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And I had four guys that were living there. And I remember that they had a backup of sewage. And when I found out about it, I come over and I began to try to figure out what was going on and tried to clean it out and it wasn't working. It kind of, and then what I found out was that these roots had got around the sewage system as it would leave the house to go out into the street drop-off for the city. But it was because it had not got to the city yet, it was my responsibility to be able to repair that and take care of it. And when I began to dig up the ground around it, I found out that there was a certain type of pipe that I didn't even know existed, but this home was built in the 1920s, and the pipe was an old clay pipe. 
and it was just crushed all the way through. And so I had to literally dig it all out, take it all out, and redo the whole piping system. Now think about this for just a moment. That was backing up into their house, but would it be so crazy if I showed up willing to please these renters and to take care of the sewage problem, yet they say, oh no, we're okay with it. We will just live with the stench and the smell and the backup, and it's just all right. It would be foolish. Every single one of you looking at that, that, no, 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 that just happened. You call that renter, that owner real quick and say, hey, come fix this. Come make sure this is repaired as soon as you possibly can. We want to deal with this. But yet so many times as Christians, we live with backup of flesh and old sinful desires inside of us that are stopping us up, keeping us from the greater things that God has in store for us. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm here to help flush that out. I'm here to help deal with those things. If you will let me, I will work inside of you. Jesus said it this way in John chapter number seven. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. Throughout John, he's talking about the moving of the Spirit in our life. And in chapter seven, in verse number 38 and 39, he said, if you submit to the ways of God, if you are a believer of me, he said, out of your belly, other translations said, out of your heart or out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. This spoke he of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means what the Holy Spirit wants to do when you live to please him, he will begin to cleanse you out and purify you and work inside of you every single day so that rivers of living water flow out of your innermost being. Rivers. Last is this. Is that new ownership means that you have new patterns. New ownership means that you will have new patterns. Uh, recently, I went to Houston. I flew into Houston. It was early, early morning. I um, was there on some business with the church to see uh, the Kellys, Bruce and Anita, and Bruce has been um, there at MD Anderson and doing some treatment, and I wanted to be down there to pray with them and spend some time with them, and please, please be praying for the uh, Bruce and Anita and their family. And so I, I get there and I'm, um, it's early in the morning. I go by a coffee shop and I sit down. I order me just like a little oatmeal and then get a juice or something. I'm not sure a coffee drinker, but I like to get those things when I go there. And so I'm sitting down and studying a little bit in the morning. And after I finished, uh, I have to take out my Visalign uh, to eat. And so then after eating, I go to go clean up. And so I brought my toothbrush and some... Um, some floss with me and I go into the restroom and I floss up and I do it several times, rinse my mouth out, brush my teeth and I do it again, make sure it's good and clear, but clean before I put my Visalign back in. And then I realized I left my Visalign there at the table on my tray with some of my other stuff and I go back and it's been probably about four or five minutes and I go back to get it and my tray's gone. I'm like, where's my tray? I didn't put it up. Where's my tray? And it just dawned on me that somebody took care of my tray for me. They saw that I was done eating and took it and dumped it into the trash. So I go over and look at the trash and I realize, man, there's been a lot of things that have been dumped into the trash. And I go back over just to make sure that it's not over at my chair and I can't find it anywhere. And, and, and I, I go back and guess what I do? I dive into the trash. And here I am with a busy coffee shop and people coming and going. I am down in there going through the trash until I finally find my Visalign. And you know what my Visalign looked like? 
I, I won't just let you imagine. I'll show you right now what the Invisalign look like. That's my Invisalign. I got a dilemma now. What am I going to do? So I went into the bathroom. I turned it on as hot as it could go. But you know those bathrooms and some commercial businesses don't get that hot. But I turned it on. It was getting warm. And then I put soap, rinsed it out, washed it out, soap again, and did it. I kept doing it. And then I got my toothbrush out and started going around it and doing everything I possibly could until finally I thought it was good enough and I put it back in. But you know what I learned that day? Is I got to change my patterns. And you know what I do every time now, even when I'm home, when I take out my Visalign, I get a napkin or I get something and I wrap it up immediately. I put it in my pocket so that nobody else could interfere with it or so that I do not make a mistake. And for many of us as Christians, we are new persons, but we have not changed our patterns and behaviors of living and how we should be living. And in Romans chapter number 12, it says it this way, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. I want you to write this down because it's our patterns that produce our problems in life. There's a lot of things that we're blaming on a lot of people and the truth of the matter is if we just change our patterns and obey the Holy Spirit, we can change our problems and they will begin to dissipate Romans 8 and verse 6 says it this way, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. There's some of you that are blaming the devil for a lot of things that really you need to accept blame for. You see, the devil, we oftentimes battle are the decisions that we're making. For our decisions become the patterns that become prisons in our life. Woo! We have an option to live according to the spirit or to live according to the flesh. We can obey the flesh and what his urges and what it wants us to do, or we can obey the spirit and what the spirit of God is asking us to do. The choice is up to you. Freedom comes when you obey the spirit. Freedom comes when you obey the spirit. Some, somebody has a phone, a phone that uh, I can use. Anybody? Anybody want to volunteer their phone? We got one right here. Come on. Okay. Now, you know, stay right there. Stay right there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it back to you in a second. So, so see this phone? This phone has so much information. Tons and tons. You, I scroll right there. All the apps. All the stuff. And I've got it on my phone. But you know what this becomes for many of us? A place for the flesh more than a place of the spirit. I'm not against a phone. The phone is not the problem. It's how we allow the phone to begin to dictate our lives. And it becomes a controlling factor for so many. And, and you know what? A lot of times the best answer, I don't know how you turn this thing off, but you know, you push this right here and you take this, and you may get up really close on this and see this. And there is a off button here. And if you take this right here and go like this right there, oh, I hope you saved everything. I hope it saved everything for you. Come on. We need to set it aside. We need to walk away from it. Which brings me to just a couple of thoughts. So if we're a new person, what is the ruach? What is the work of God, the spirit of God doing in us? It could be two things. One, he groans. 
he groans. Let me just say it this way. The greatest gifts in life come through great groanings. My grandma is 94 years of age and I try to talk to her every so often and she is slipping a lot. Her age is really beginning to, she, to the last year or so. Just, just really, and there's much more of an aching inside of her for what's to come than what's here. Does that make sense? If you've ever lost a loved one, somebody that you cared deeply about, you were close to, there's an old song that used to sing, heaven is sounding sweeter all the time. Seems like lately I've had heaven on my mind. And what happens is that we begin to have a yearning and aching for what's to come. Did you read in the scripture we talked about a while ago? It says that all creation groans looking for the day of what? Redemption. We're like the children of God. We won't decay and it won't be destroyed. Hear me on this. All creation is longing for the day that Eden is restored again. That new creation happens again. That there's not decay and there's not suffering and there's not pain. That's what my grandma looks forward to. But do you realize it says here in this passage that not just creation groans, but we as believers groan looking forward to what is to come? We also groan. In, in that passage, verse 23, go look at it. It says that we specifically groan for the day that we are relieved from two words, sin and suffering. And isn't those the two things that really hold us back? Isn't those the things we really battle every day? Sin and and suffering. Inside of the believer, we groan for that day when we will no longer be bound by the struggles of sin and suffering, set free completely once and for all. Mm. No, 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 no. But do you realize that the Holy Spirit groans inside of you, longing for something too? And it's the fulfillment of the things that God wants in your life. My, 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 daughter, my daughter gave birth um, but her and her husband, Mitchell, did not go to a hospital to give birth. They had their baby in their apartment. And for some of you, you think, well, midwife and Adula. No, 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 no midwife, no Adula. Just them two in the apartment. The groaning, the pain. But as she groaned, as she travailed in labor, out of her pain and suffering, came new creation, came a beautiful baby. Come on. I want you to hear me. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are to groan with the spirit that is inside of us, longing for new creation. And I'm talking about in what's to come, but let me also stop in what now we should be doing as followers of Jesus Christ is bringing heaven to earth now. It's not about waiting to go there. Heaven is any place that God's will is being done. And when we're obeying God's will, we can see new creation done now. You know what? That's why we lay hands on the sick, believing that the power of God is going to heal because we believe in new creation now. Oh, you, you don't? No, if any man be in Christ Jesus, if any woman be in Christ Jesus, he or she is a new creation. Old things are passed away and behold, all things have become what? New. 
No, we, we believe that now we can groan and people will be delivered from addictions. Now we can groan and people will be set free from pains and suffering. Now we believe that God can restore marriages. Now we can play in what is birthed inside of us can do transformation in people's lives. Hmm. What we're doing with the spirit-led families is about asking, and let me just say something. Sometimes the flesh groans when we chase the spirit. When you get up to read the word of God early in the morning, your flesh says, stay in bed. Your spirit is saying, come visit with me. When you come to church and you don't feel like going to church and you've had a busy week, you are saying, flesh, I'm not going to obey you. I'm going to obey the spirit of God. When you choose to obey in God and giving, you're saying no to the flesh and yes to God. How many want to be a spirit-led family? How many want to walk that walk? Verse 26, he says it this way. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't even know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Groanings. Groanings. The second word I have for you, verse one is groanings. The second one is growth. Growth. Because groaning gives way to growth every time. When you learn to groan, any, anybody ever worked out? You got to groan to get gains. Anybody gift yourself to education? You got to groan to get growth. Anything worth that you're going to grow in, there has to be groaning. And groaning gives way to growth. I want you to look at verse number 27. This is one of those beautiful four verses in the Bible, in my opinion. And it's all about growth through groaning. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. What's that about? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's saying no to the flesh and yes to the spirit. Verse 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for him. It's the purposes of God, even in the middle of the pain that you face, that he's turning all things to your good and his glory. Somebody say amen to that. Verse 29, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his who? Who's his son? Jesus. So that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers. The goal of the Spirit's groaning inside of you is to become like Jesus. In verse 30, and having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself. Having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. And this is so awesome because you know what those speak? If you are the Bible nerd in this place, you'll like these words. Because I don't deal with a lot of Bible nerd stuff, even though I feel like I'm a Bible nerd. But I'm hitting all, all people. Justification is in that passage. That, that verse, sir. That one verse. Justification. Reconciliation. Sanctification. Glorification. And that's the process of the believer. We are justified in Christ. We are reconciled to him. We are becoming like him. And we are in the glory of God Almighty. Somebody say amen.
Mm. I want you to stand with me and I want you to grab your communion elements. Shannon and I, in the summertime, we often like to get away to the mountains. And one thing that I have done in the past, I like to mountain bike a lot. This year, I did not mountain bike at all. I did a lot of hiking. And in a couple of 14ers, two of them. And the very first one I did, I started late in the afternoon. There was nobody going that direction. Everybody that had been there was coming the opposite direction. And not very many of them. But everyone that I would see, I would ask them. As I was huffing and puffing trying to get to that 14er. If you haven't done that, that's a hard task. I huffing and puffing, I, they'd be coming down. And I'd say, is it worth it? And every single one of them that went to the top said, it is worth it. Not one of them said, it is not worth it. I'd say, can I make it? And they said, oh, you can make it. You can. Every once in a while, I'd come across somebody who said, how is it? Can, can I make it? And they'd say, oh, I didn't make it. And er, those people, there was a different countenance on their face. They would say, it's beautiful where we got. But you could see a disappointment like, I just didn't reach the top. I didn't reach the top. I, I want you to hear me on this. So many Christians are stopping far short of the glory that God wants to do in their life. You got, you got to let the groaning of the Spirit, you, you got to let inside of you what the Spirit has taken you, follow the Spirit for there to be growth. If you want to reach the mountaintops of where God is wanting to take you, you got to be willing to die to the flesh and follow the Spirit. Oh, somebody say amen. You know what communion is about? It's about the groaning of Jesus that opened the door for all of us. Jesus groaned. At the death of his close friend Lazarus, he groaned. And it says, Jesus wept. Jesus saw the city one time as sheep without a shepherd. He groaned. It says he was moved. The translation means literally his bowels deep inside as he wept and cried out for the city of Jerusalem. When he went to the garden before he went to the cross, he groaned as he prayed and he sweat as it were great drops of blood. Such an intense agony and groaning. On the cross itself, hanging before God and men, suspended in the air, he groaned. Father, why have you forsaken me? As the earth went black, as the sun refused to shine. Oh, but his groaning gave forth to a beautiful church. Hallelujah, which is you and me. And when we take of communion, we're reminded of the body of Christ that was broken for us and the blood that was shed for us. And in his groaning, how that we learn to groan also so that we can have the growth of God in our own lives. Somebody, as we receive, I want to pray and I'm going to let you receive on your own. I want our prayer team to come and make themselves available. Step out and come for prayer. Step out. But you receive communion on your own timing after I pray. And the prayer team is available to lay hands on, to pray, to agree with you. What is it you're groaning about? Agree with somebody. Father God, I pray right now at all locations in Guthrie, Oklahoma City, the power of your spirit will do a deep work May we learn to groan so we can experience the growth you have for us. Obeying you, 
I pray this in your name. As we take of the body of Christ and the blood of Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen.